the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you're there... Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. We've got a great lineup in store for you. But first, up on the program, I wanted to bring on a fellow host. And uh, the show is Talking Nonprofits. And my guest, Tiffany Hopper, is the, uh, is the host. She's a native of Geneva, Alabama, and has moved to El Paso, Texas, and made it her home for the past 20 years, an Army veteran. She has a bachelor's in healthcare management, and it was there at Park University that she developed her love and passion for nonprofit work, and we're going to talk all about that passion. So, Tiffany, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, yeah, it's a blast. And honestly, whenever we talk nonprofit, um, which is actually how when you and I first met, I walked into an office in a totally different context. And I heard your passion for nonprofit. And, and then you and I uh, started up a number of conversations. And as I know, both you and I uh, are incredibly passionate. So let's talk about you, Tiffany. So you, um, you again, an Army veteran. Um, and uh, that to nonprofit is is quite the journey, and I will tell you that my my journey has been exactly the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am an Army veteran. I served six years as a uh, ninety two Alpha, which is logistics, and um, I can't say that I, I enjoyed every moment of it because I didn't like to go to the field. So um, that's that's a part of the you know the positives and the negatives of of being in any type of service or any type of job. You don't like everything, but, you know, I did like the fact that I got to meet a lot of people and I've connected with a lot of people through the army. And the fun thing is now you've continued um, to make a difference in the, in the military and the army, which is great, but I'm, I'm really, really excited about what you're building through the talking nonprofits podcast. And I'll say this many times throughout uh, our couple of minutes together, but uh, obviously uh, folks can find the conversations on their favorite podcast app. And it's really, it's, it's some awesome conversations. I've learned a lot, um, but you've received a lot of uh, accolades for public service. Um, you've been, you've received the Federal Executive Association um, uh, of El Paso Excellence in Public Service Award, the Extraordinary Ladies in the Community Award. That's one I'm not going to, I'm not going to compete for. And the Fort Bliss <laughs> Commanding Generals Award. So that's very, very, uh, that's very impressive. So tell us from your vantage point, um, you know, 
the 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 good, the bad, the ugly about uh, nonprofit work, and and I know you you've you have uh, you've seen it all. So so what are you seeing in the nonprofit space, especially in this sort of COVID, maybe getting close to a co- post COVID era? What I'm seeing right now in the nonprofit world is there is a great desire for volunteers, especially in at Fort Bliss, we have the Afghan refugee situation going on, but they they have a need for volunteers. But also other nonprofits have a great need for for those who want to serve in their their organizations. So I think there's a lack of volunteers only because we were in that COVID timeframe and then there was no, really no volunteerism happened happened during that time. And now we're not out of COVID, but now it's like, oh my God, we, we, we need our volunteers so we can, you know, raise funds or provide services. So right now there is a lack of volunteering, um, lack of volunteer opportunities, I mean, excuse me, lack of volunteers to provide those opportunities to nonprofits. Absolutely. And one of the things you and I have talked about, and I want to spend a couple of minutes um, discussing, um, is the impact that volunteerism and being involved in nonprofits can have for the busy professional, for the business owner. I mean, some of the best networking happens when people are involved in nonprofits. Isn't that right? That is correct. I would not have my job if I didn't volunteer. So uh, I was a volunteer, a family readiness group leader for three years uh, before I became a uh, the volunteer manager. And I continue to volunteer uh, throughout the community. I serve on the Society of Human Resource Managers. I'm the diversity director. And also I was the team RWB, our team red, white, and blue um, chapter captain. So connections, adding to your resume, that's definitely a great part of service. Absolutely. And, you know, there's many business uh, folks that are out there that are tuning in, business owners, professionals that are out there that are, uh, that are, are wondering, um, you know, what's, what's involved? Um, where can they find those opportunities, whether they're listening in Chicago or in El Paso? What are some of the resources that you have just found are sort of available nationally um, when somebody's looking to either get involved in a nonprofit or maybe if they identify a need, let's say animals or let's say it's homelessness, that they can perhaps step up and create the nonprofit to address the need. Well, one thing I would say, if they, they want to get involved, all they have to do is pretty much use Google and say, hey, I want to volunteer with an animal nonprofit. But, you know, LinkedIn also has volunteer opportunities, as well as finding what, what you value. Like for me, uh, Team RWB is a veterans organization, and I really wanted to get involved and get back into shape. And, you know, I connected with, with the chapter. And so that's what I would say is find your niche. You can find it through United Way. You can find it through uh, Fort Bliss with different agencies such as Fort Bliss Volunteer Programs. And as well as, you know, Indeed, there's different places where you can find places to give back to the community based on, you know, your interests. Oh, very, very true. So, again, I'm chatting with uh, Tiffany Hopper, um, the host 
of uh, the Talking Nonprofits podcast, but also so, so much more because I know it's so much more than a podcast. Really, what you're doing is you're creating a movement around uh, volunteerism, nonprofits. But I do want to talk about the uh, podcast because you've been doing this for a little while and have hosted some fantastic conversations. So uh, give us a, a glimpse behind the microphone. What's it like and who have you talked to and why should people listen? Okay, well, the podcast goal is to amplify the voices of nonprofits because I found like, you know, there's not a lot of podcasts that amplify, you know, the executive directors of nonprofits. And so I wanted to find out like, you know, their passion, their mission, their behind the scenes struggles, you know, so that other nonprofit execs can learn from them. Also a part of that is also their, their, their victories. I know like, you know, what can you learn from a victory? Well, you want to replicate that victory as well. So some of our, our podcast guests has been um, the El Paso Fighting Hunger Food Bank Executive Director, the Mission Continues Executive Director, as well as uh, my, my, newest, my newest podcast is uh, Andrea Ramirez. She is a 11-year 11, 11 uh person with the Amistad Foundation, which, you know, they help veterans as well as those who are underprivileged. And then I had an author on delusional altruism, Chris Putnam Walkerly on our new podcast. And she talks about how to get people to give so that, you know, it makes it an easier process because, you know, philanthropy can be a slow paced movement. But we want to make it faster for those who are receiving those funds. So those are that's my two latest podcasts on um on my podcast right now that's awesome it's, it's really great conversations it's exciting um what's uh what what takes place in the energy that's there and i've i've enjoyed i think i binged um a number of the episodes i was uh hiking which i know you and i share a passion for um for that so i think i was hiking and i think i listened to like four four episodes and i know you've got uh, one coming up um focusing on on military which will be uh which will be fun so looking forward to that so tiffany hopper um the host of the talking nonprofits podcast and again that movement that we've been talking about you shared some great advice um for networking for uh busy business professionals for entrepreneurs and all sorts of great things so i want to make sure people know where they can a find the podcast but b also get in touch with you okay they can find the podcast on um Spotify, Apple, as well as on Amazon. I just got that email as well by using the Amazon app. And then also you can find me on um, Instagram, Facebook, and we're available at talkingnonprofits at gmail.com for all those nonprofits who want to be on the podcast and also for some um, business profit agencies that work with nonprofits as well. Absolutely. Again, the podcast, Talking Nonprofits, is available pretty much everywhere, I guess now, including uh, Amazon, which is awesome. And uh, I encourage all of our listeners to definitely check out those awesome conversations that are taking place. And there will be content and information for sure that you don't want to miss. Stephanie Opry, thank you so much for joining us on the air. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Coming up after this very quick break, we'll continue our conversations all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. If you're listening to Get Down to Business, be sure to... Uh, to check out our wonderful sponsors, Tom Marabali from healthplanchicago.com. Again, a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. 
do get down to business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. So it's very appropriate, um, and I was very excited to bring on as our next guest, Marvin Storm, who uh, hosts a podcast called Business Exit Stories and is a very well-established uh, professional in talking about deal makers, transactions, and uh, over the course of the past eight plus years on uh, Get Down to Business, I've heard some of those stories, but I know, Marvin, you have a front row seat to, uh, to hearing uh, from, uh, from some of the most interesting M&A advisors, investment bankers, business brokers who share, the, as you say, the good, bad, and some of the most unusual transactional deal stories that you can imagine. So Marvin, welcome to the program. Well, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this chat. Absolutely. So, Marvin, let's talk about your background. Let's start with your story for first, and then uh, then we'll get into the content. Well, you know, very briefly, um, you know, I got my degree in accounting and uh, actually was in Chicago uh, for my first, uh, you know, job right out of college with Deloitte, uh, right down on One Wacker Drive. Uh, I lived out in Lombard and uh, took the train in and I thought it was pretty cool at the time, you know, being just out of college and, you know, in the fast lane, sort of speak. Uh, however, after a few years, uh, uh, the accounting profession didn't offer the kind of, uh, vision that I had for myself. And uh, so I was playing pickup basketball with a, a friend of mine and a group. And uh, we got chatting about uh, our careers and life. And before I knew it, I had turned in my resignation and launched a business with him. And and we had a great ride and uh, had a successful uh, run and exit. And uh, and then I, uh, you know, started another, uh, another business that I built a national platform on and a few years ago exited that business and lived in the San Francisco Bay Area at the time and moved up to the Sierra Foothills, which is on the way to Lake Tahoe. We almost lost Lake Tahoe here a few weeks ago with all the fires here in Northern California, but um, fortunately they were able to stop it. But, um, you know, I, I moved up here just, uh, you know, kind of living the entrepreneur's dream where I thought I would just, you know, take it easy and coast. And I very quickly figured out that once you have the pedal to the metal going 90 miles an hour, uh, when you are in the slow lane or even parked on the side of the road, life gets pretty boring. Uh, and uh, so I got to thinking about my exit experience and, um, you know, I figured if I had known a lot more, been a little bit more dialed in in the exit process, uh, although I'd had other exits, but they were much smaller in scale. And uh, this last one, if I'd have been more dialed in, I would have done a lot better. And so I got to thinking about that and I started a podcast really uh, focused on providing insights to what you need to know to step away from your business and exit profitably. Absolutely. And uh, there's some great stories indeed. And I know that this is uh this is a uh, passion of yours, and uh, pack your parachute. I know is uh, is an exciting uh, book where where you're uh, putting together the uh, key strategies behind successful and profitable business ex- uh, exits, but also a uh, training as well. So um, you've utilized all of those experiences that you just talked about, and uh, and now you're uh, you're helping entrepreneurs to uh, create that uh, monetization event of their business by focusing on all of the metrics. So. Um, you, uh, you've been hosting the, uh, the podcast. So how long have you been doing this and tell us about some of the guests that you've, uh, that you've had on the show about it's coming up three years now. And, uh, the fascinating thing about the podcast is that 
instead of talking to individual entrepreneurs that go through an exit and what their takeaways are from their exit, uh, these are the actual people that make the deals. And they have a portfolio uh, of hundreds of exits. And so they're able to cherry pick the, the ones that went really well, were home runs for the entrepreneur and why. And some that uh, kind of blew up, went sideways in the middle of the deal and why. Uh, and some real tragic stories. Uh, uh, entrepreneurs dropped the ball and uh, ended up not exiting and actually either going bankrupt or closing their business. And the, 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 the thing is that all of this is preventable in 99% of the cases. If you understand the process and you can connect the dots and you know have a game plan in place, uh, you can exit on the top of the pile instead of on the way up or on the way down. And generally speaking, is there a, uh, is a, a, are industries different when you're talking about exit or generally speaking, are the same principles true of all, of all industries and maybe even all business sizes? Well, three questions there, really. Uh, yes, all, there is a process that is universal, uh, uh, that apply virtually to all businesses. Uh, exits are different based on size because the buyers are different. Uh, who is going to be interested in a business that's doing a million dollars a year versus one that's doing 10 million or 50 million? They're different type of buyers that come to the table for those different level of businesses. And then within the universe of types of businesses, there's certainly different metrics, different uh, you know, dynamics that drive acquisitions and sales. Uh, within different types of businesses from tech to service to, you know, things that are heavy, heavily asset-based businesses. There, there are different types of buyers. So the, the principles are the same, but how the deals happen tend to be different. Very interesting. Very, very helpful. And so for our small business owners that are listening uh, to this program, what is that one bit of advice um, that you would want to see them put into practice this week that can help them with their future business, as you say, that business exit? Well, what happens 90% of the time is that entrepreneurs, small business folks, regardless of the size of the business, generally have their nose to the grindstone. They're in the trenches. They're pedaling as hard as they can, putting out fires on a day-to-day basis. And, and they just don't have time to think about, gee, I'm, someday I'm going to have to exit this business. And that's a huge mistake. Uh, you should take some time to actually start thinking about it. And so the the almost the universal reason business don't business exits and sales don't happen as well as they should is that there hasn't been enough forethought and people put it off to the last minute because exits tend to be event driven when you don't have a plan. And so someone gets sick, there's a, a, a family illness, a death, a problem with a partner, a competitor enter, enters the market, you know, something that is totally unexpected because things are going along just fine. Uh, and you don't have, haven't given it any thought. So it's a fire drill. Uh, you're rushing to the exit and uh, those type of circumstances and uh, challenges that are presented in that type of scenario can end really badly. And so and, the, the, one, the one universal truth is that you need to think about it in advance, get started in advance. That doesn't mean you're going to have the total playbook in place, but you need to have a playbook. Absolutely. And again, I've been chatting with, uh, with Marvin Storm, 
the uh, the business exit guru and the host of Business Exit Stories. And uh, Marvin, we uh, we teased this earlier, and I have to uh, deliver for our listeners. Um, what is the most unusual, the uh, the craziest um, story that you've heard from some of your uh, guests on the on the show? And uh, and of course, I, I do want to make sure that our listeners. Uh, uh, don't take your word for it that they actually get on the podcast and they actually start tuning in themselves. Um, but what's the craziest story? I'm going to share two. One great one where someone was getting ready for an exit and he was able to uh, surround himself with some good advisors and he sold it for literally 20 times what he, in his wildest imaginations, thought it would would happen because the right things were done and the right buyers brought to the table. And on the converse flip side of that is someone that was going to exit for millions of dollars, uh, dropped the ball in the in the exit process and ended up going out of business before it got business got sold. Uh, and both of that last story, it was totally preventable. Uh, but, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs re- believe their own press clippings and think they're a little bit smarter than they are. I hear that. Uh, Marvin Storm, how can people get a hold of you and subscribe to the podcast? Well, it's businessexitstories.com. I do have a, a report that I get a lot of feedback, you know, kind of what is the kind of the game plan here? So I developed a report. And if anyone wants it, they just go to businessexitstories.com forward slash report and they can download it there. Um, and you, you, I can, I can honestly say that some of the stories are there are very relevant for the people listening to your podcast that have businesses because everyone is eventually going to exit their business, whether they want to or not. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great advice. I appreciate it. And again, I encourage all of our listeners to get um, on your website, uh, subscribe uh, to the podcast, Business Exit Stories. Uh, Marvin Storm, thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's been delightful. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Coming up after the break, we've got... uh, We've got more small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about professional development and have yet another guest on the program. But first, we've got uh, headlines, some quick announcements. And again, we'll be back. Be sure to get on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can download past eight plus years of shows all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. To get down to business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So, small businesses, I say this each and every week, they've felt we have felt the pinch of the pandemic more acutely than any other business type. Not only were small business owners like myself the least prepared for the IT requirements of a work from home environment, but you know, we've also felt the effects of low employee morale, scarier. Yet, our mission-critical employees are now at risk of being poached by larger companies. We've been talking about those challenges over the past few weeks, whose geographic hiring pool have just become worldwide. So I wanted to talk about some professional development tips, some 10 ways that you can achieve effective employee development on a small business budget. Again, it's a key concern. You have to understand the importance of effective employee development. Research shows that employees feel more valued when employers invest in in their training and development. This makes training and professional development opportunities highly effective as employment benefits. And it's easier to develop a comprehensive development 
plan on a small business budget than you might expect. Thanks to technology, the power of networking, and a bit of creativity, you can actually do quite a bit. So I wanted to talk about some of the professional development strategies that will meet the ambitions of your employees, realize company goals, and groom top talent for leadership. So training in the early days is important. When you hire somebody, it's time to introduce them to colleagues, the kitchen, and the photocopier. The idea of a new employee hitting the ground running, it's a farce. You know what happens if you do that? You fall on your face. That's not my quote, by the way. That's from a uh, fellow, Michael Watkins. I found that very interesting. But make a connection. You and your staff have to have a clear understanding of your company's mission. Hopefully, you already have an established company culture that you can induct them into. Don't stop there. Encourage your employees to make a mental and emotional connection with your business by asking them for ideas and opinions and taking action-based you know. on their suggestions, keep them involved in the growth and the evolution of the company. And appraisals are a necessary evil, or rather are necessary, but don't have to be evil. They give you and your employees the opportunity to assess their contribution to the company and their own professional development. And providing and learning from constructive criticism is a crucial element of a strong professional development plan. You can also use the review to address concerns or problems before they go out of control. Be sure to give employees warnings of appraisals so they can prepare, come up with questions, work examples that they want to discuss. Set well-thought-out career and development objectives to help everyone work towards tangible and measurable goals. Remember, smart, specific, measurable, achievable, results-focused, and time-bound. And motivate your staff by encouraging them to develop their skills and talents instead of focusing exclusively on the responsibilities of their role. Support them on what they want and need and listen to that reasoning. And develop customized solutions for individuals while simultaneously providing scale and cost efficiencies across the organization. Don't use a one-size-fits-all approach. It will be a waste of time and resources for both you and your employees. General frameworks and questions are good to get the conversation going, but to get the most out of the investment in individuals, you need to create a collaborative structured plan for each employee with clearly defined objectives and targets. And they should be based on their specific skills, strengths, career goals, and opportunities within the business. Let's talk about meetings. Schedule regular company meetings, both on and offsite. These can be an excellent learning opportunity for employees from all departments to come together and brainstorm about finances, technology, products, industry developments, and regulatory issues. Everyone likes to be valued and appreciated. Encourage your employees to think critically about the business and actively engage with its growth by asking for opinions and feedback. Set homework and put it to work at the meetings. Be sure to come out with tangible actions for people to take and show how they're going to use it with the research that they came prepared with. And give your employees opportunity to discover new talent and interest. Don't let them get bored or complacent. Rotate staff through company departments to challenge and stimulate them. This lets your employees understand how the various departments work and support each other by making them better at their own role and potentially uncovering valuable objective insights about the departments that they enter. It's also an opportunity for them to develop and and build and identify skills and strengths that they may have overlooked. And it may open up new avenues for growth. And mentoring and networking, I'm very passionate about this one, of course, provide opportunities for your staff to learn from the experiences of senior company managers, industry leaders, or simply smart, wise individuals who have made a difference to society. Create a director of professionals willing to mentor young or inexperienced staff and connect mentors and mentees based on roles, skills, and interests. Better yet, develop initiative by encouraging employees to reach out to appropriate individuals themselves. Send employees to conferences, 
trade fairs, or other networking events to build confidence, communication skills, and improve their understanding of the industry. And of course, virtual training. If someone needs it, there's almost certainly going to be an online course for it, or a talk, or a training video. You don't need to spend a fortune on training your employees, developing their talents, or teaching them new skills when there's a world of free advice online. And there are many great industry and trade groups and government programs that are available that, again, you could send people to for seminars, networking. And finally, finally, stay interviews, where you ask employees where, why they are staying with you, or just as important as exit interviews. Use both to identify the strengths and weaknesses of your organization and improve your effective employee development programs. Well-designed development programs improve employees' knowledge base and technical skills develop managerial and leadership abilities, maintain an overarching focus on interpersonal skills. may sound like a lot of work, but when it's implemented, it's going to take effort and commitment to keep effective employee development going. These payoffs are happy, engaged employees who are more productive, more effective. It's well worth the effort when you look at it like that. Again, a quick break here on Get Down to Business. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. We can download all of our shows. Again, we'll be right back on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Hey, welcome back. Uh, so we've been talking all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship over here on Get Down to Business. And I do firmly believe that creative leaders break the mold by making their own path to achieve mastery. That's what we're going to talk about with my next guest, Roy Sharples, who wrote the book, Creativity Without Frontiers, How to Make the Invisible Visible by Lighting the Way into the Future. Roy, welcome to the program. Shalom. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I want to always start by talking about your story, the story uh, behind the behind the book, and we're going to get into some of the advice that you share in Creativity Without Frontiers. But Roy, what inspires you? What inspires me is the ability to live a fulfilled life by finding true on authenticity. I think the world is absolutely suffering from the banality, and I think it's really time now more than ever to transcend the status quo and to start coming up with unlocking your true creative power. Absolutely, and and I know in the uh, in the book. You, uh, you talk a lot about uh, many innovators that are out there. You, uh, there's a discussion about uh, Andrew Carnegie, Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, and so on, and how they rose from obscurity to radically transform industry and how people, uh, how people have lived. So, Roy, I mean, that's, that's truly inspiring. But many of our small business owners are listening and they're saying, wow, that's inspiring, but they're different than I am. I'm just a little entrepreneur in Chicago or wherever they may be tuning in. So, Roy, what's your response? No, they're not. I mean, these are ordinary people that did extraordinary things because they believed in themselves, they believed in their ideas, and they, they, they per- persevered with them, right? And it was their ability against adversity and their ability to, to pivot as and where need be, but their grit and determination to, to bring their ideas to fruition. And they were all outsiders, like as you, as you mentioned. And it doesn't just relate to the business world, right? Um, it transcends, it, it, that translates to every walk of uh, every profession, whether it's the arts, whether it's 
um, architecture, whether it's music, whatever, you know, like take, take, the, take David Bowie, for example. He's a classic example of an outsider and maverick and misfit um, who disrupted not just one musical revolution, but multiple um, revolutions throughout his uh, duration. And he wasn't someone that was cultivated with, as it, from insiders within the music industry. This was someone that formed, that envisioned and formed their own identity, their own sound, their own movement, their own fashion. And they sailed that alongside the, the, the music industry by creating his own arc, if you will. And there's multiple other examples within the, the music industry that, that followed similar paths, you know, like um, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Lou Reed, the Smiths, Talking Heads, to name but a few. But so the same in industry, as you mentioned there, Andrew Carnegie, Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, and, and more recently, Elon Musk. You know, they've all created their own um, <clears throat> businesses that really either disrupted existing industries or they created brand new ones. Absolutely. And uh, again, I'm chatting with Roy Sharples, who has written the book, uh, Creativity Without Frontiers. And in the book, and we're not going to share all of the secrets, of course, Roy, but um, you've created a creative excellence model, which details the collection of skills and competencies, um, which you uh, define of what creative leaders need to know and practice. And by the way, I should mention that uh, you, uh, on the uh, aside for the book, you're the founder and CEO of Unknown Origins, and uh, which is all about creativity and in- innovation. So the five principles, Roy. Let's let's talk about it real real briefly. What are what are they? Absolutely. So the five principles are imagination, innovation, aesthetics, entrepreneurship, and manifestation. And what exactly I mean by that is imagination. It's about creating, designing, and, and making new things by seeing the unseen and navigating the journey to get there by evoking magic, delight, and turning your imagination into art. And then um, innovation is about reveling in finding the future by tinkering with and experimenting with technologies and also cross-pollinating across multiple domains, and not just within your domain, but across other fields as well, to really look at ways where you can really find innovative solutions that are disruptive. Aesthetics is about blending the art and science with excellence in your craft, right? By anticipating future trends inspired by culture and aesthetics and and the industry that you're in and connected to emotions and imagination. And then entrepreneurship is fearlessly leading toward invisible horizons by finding the future, by being adaptive, persistent, and resilient. So that's underpinning those points that we made earlier around those outsiders and, and, and mavericks. And then finally, manifestation. So lighting the way into the future by breaking through conventional values, tastes, and perceptions. And the thing that I would say as well, Shalom, is when you look at Create, when you look at leadership that has made the difference in society, business, education, public service, whatever, the most distinguishable quality for every leader in every domain is creativity. Because creativity is this, create, because creative leaders display distinctly different behaviors, values, and characteristics than traditional management, and they get exponential results. They inspire creativity in others. They build productive teams and they drive successful businesses. Yet, while many organizations claim that they value creative leadership, most of them pay lip service to the idea to rev up the past by promoting 
managers who do not pout to creative leadership and instead are perceived as a safer, risk-averse, more likely to maintain the status quo, which is diametrically opposed to the necessary leadership needed to move the world forward. Well, so, I'll tell you what, Roy, I'm, I'm inspired already. As soon as I get off the air, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build the next electric car or something like that. But, uh, Roy, <laughs> I've got to squeeze in a very quick break. I want to continue the conversation when we come back in just a minute. You're listening to Get Down to Business. I'm chatting with the author of Creativity Without Frontiers. We'll be right back. Creativity Without Frontiers, How to Make the Invisible Visible by Lighting the Way into the Future. I'm joined yet again by creativity and brand leader Roy Sharples, who's been uh, touching on all those decades of experience at the forefront of business innovation to explore what makes that creative mind tick. So Roy, right before we went to break, we were talking about uh, about the innovation and how you know Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, they, they all had... Um, what you define as that creative excellence model. So, so Roy, I know, um, I know that you see this uh, each and every day uh, in your, as you say, the mission to save the world from, uh, from, uh, by, by unleashing uh, creative power. So uh, what are you seeing in this sort of post or current, uh, whatever world we're in of, around COVID? Have you seen some creativity and in, in innovation? Yes, I, I absolutely have. And I, I see this as well. I mean, if you look back upon history, and you look at times where there's been enormous adversity, you know, recessions and, and other things, it's ripe for moments for entrepreneurs, from artists, from innovators to really do something new. Um, I mean, when you look back at the last big recession in 2008, you had a lot of the companies like um, P Interest, um, Twitter, um, Instagram, all of them really kind of coming up with something kind of new and, and innovating and companies like Microsoft and others is, were invented within a recession as well back in the, the mid 1970s. So it's proven time and time again, that it's a time to, to, to really step up and, and look left when others have been looking right and, and to do something new and innovative um, when the world really, really needs it. And so multiple, I've seen multiple startups happening um, within um how to look at ways where um, you can deliver education experiences differently, how you can um, reinvent how work um, gets done. And also larger corporations as well um, have been rethinking their business models and their operating models as well in terms of how they should accommodate and do accommodate their, their, their workforce better, better, but also look at ways where they can reinvent themselves as large, large organizations. And I think what it's done as well is it's helped people and leaders really prioritize on what and what's really important right and also the focus on communication as a vehicle and 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 also how the work itself kind of gets done it's not a necessity anymore to be in a physical space and to to and to keep looking and to keep moving towards an environment that they have been for the last hundred or so years where many businesses still are operating within bygone uh, business models and organizational structures and having to be physically in a building, very um, much the industrial revolution kind of mo- model, right? The factory-based model, the, the manufacturing model, whereas really in the digital revolution, that model was never fit for purpose. And so this has helped further. I wouldn't say disrupt, but it's further accelerated the need 
to, to, to reinvent how work is done so that people are really being productive mm-hmm. and optimal in this new age. Because I think a lot of those systems were really stifling um, innovation and, and creativity. Well, I know you have a global track record of innovation um, through your uh, company, Unknown Origins. And I certainly want to make sure our listeners know where they can pick up a copy of Creativity Without, For- Without Frontiers. Um, Roy, how can people uh, buy the book and get in touch with you? Absolutely. So get the book. It's, it's available in all um, key um, book retailers such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, um, Apple, and, and Google. It's available in print. Um, it's available in audio and also digital um, as well. And to get in touch with me, and um, just go through um, unknownorigins.com. And within there, you've kind of got all the information around kind of what we do as a, as a, as a creative business, the services and products we provide, um, and also how to get in touch with us to, to engage. I hope everybody takes advantage of it. Roy Sharples, thank you so much for joining us on the air. I look forward to uh, bringing you back on real soon. My pleasure. Thank you all the very best. Absolutely. And again, always get on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can download the past eight plus years of shows all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on your favorite podcast app and make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and share the Get Down to Business podcast to success. Let's get down to business. That's a wrap for us this week. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.